Welcome to the Dry Bones Ministries podcast, where we strive to provide great preaching and teaching so that listeners will discover or rediscover the goodness, truth, and beauty of our Catholic faith. If you are interested in supporting the work we are doing, visit us at drybonespgh.org or follow us on social media at drybonespgh. Thanks for joining us. We hope that you are inspired, uplifted, and encouraged. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Dry Bones Ministries special podcast series on the Litany of Trust. My name is Father Adam Potter, and grateful to be with you for this day 22, where we pray that your plan is better than anything else. Jesus, I trust in you. Well, you're here all the way to to day 22. You've persevered this far. God bless you, reward you, um, and yeah, just to encourage you to to keep going and yeah, recognizing there's, uh, yeah, 30 days from one perspective doesn't seem like all that long. And then from another perspective, like, I don't know, around day 21, it's like, wow, still got almost a, a whole third left to go. Yeah. Not to lose heart though. And, and to, to see just how the, the Lord really blesses faithfulness and there's a, an element of the trust in it. I think I've mentioned this already. There's an element in the trust built into this retreat that we might persevere and keep going and not give in to temptations, maybe to fatigue, whether physically, uh, socially, different expectations, demands um, yeah, that are, are kind of coming at us, or even spiritually too. Right? I don't know if you've experienced this so far in the retreat, but there can be some spiritual fatigue that maybe we're not used to pushing through whenever we're in, invited to really look at our own hearts, our own souls, our own mindsets, and uh, have them kind of challenged, have them kind of stretched, and that's uncomfortable. And so a lot of us are really accustomed to running away from things that are uncomfortable. We'll go back to what's familiar and comfortable and uh, pleasant. And to really look at the places where I don't trust in the Lord or could grow in trust in the Lord is not pleasant, but so worth it. And we know this from different relationships that we've been in where when we come up against the first, second, or third obstacles of difficulty or opportunities to grow or to be challenged, when we persevere through them, we find a greater depth to that relationship and a greater appreciation of who I am, who the other person is, and and what is happening what God's doing in that relationship. So I just think so, so much more so whenever we look at our own relationship with God and to really have some of these spiritual muscles engaged and and work so that we can go deeper and deeper into uh, his very heart and to be filled by him. So this petition that your plan is better than anything else, Jesus, I trust in you. Today goes back to the very heart of our will versus God's will. This is at the heart of sin, is it not? That instead of trusting and believing in God's will, I choose my own will. This really is at the heart of of sin. And when we talk about God's plan for my life, we really get to the heart of my own identity, of who I am and how I want to create myself and who I want to be. To appreciate in our world how strong this message is of 
being told you can be whoever you want to be as long as you set your mind to it, as long as you dream, as long as you plan, as long as you budget, as long as you do all of these different things, you can achieve it, you can accomplish it. And for many of us, if we're honest, this arouses within us a great anxiety, right? And I think this is true. This is true that we know within us that our our lives are not supposed to be self-created, but they're supposed to be discovered that God has a plan for us, that he's made us for a purpose. And the greatest adventure we could ever go on is discovering who he created me to be. One of John Paul II's great lines was an invitation to be who you are created to be, right? Not be whoever you want to be, not be, (laughs) um, be, yeah, be whoever you want to be, but be who you're created to be. That, that brings about the greatest joy. That brings about the greatest freedom and just experience of uh, authenticity. And the adventure is coming to, coming to discover that. So where in our own lives have we not trusted that God's plan is better than mine? But this petition, notice, is that your plan is better than anything else, Jesus. Which gets to another piece as I think about this. This isn't just, I trust that your plan is better than my plan. Because some of us maybe are um, self-deprecating enough to, or just honest enough to realize, yeah, no, I know, I know my plans aren't, aren't the best. So I'll listen to this person or this uh, icon or philosopher or this school of thought or um, this hero of mine. And I'll, I'll listen to them, right? Because they have this advice on how I can really succeed or accomplish these different uh, different tasks and accomplishments. And um, yeah, so that I might recognize even in the best advice of the greatest, wisest person in the world, God's plan is still better than that. So who, who are we listening to? Who are the people that we're listening to, to to discover who I am and what's best for my own life? And if it isn't God, then I'm missing it. And there's something more. And the, chan- the, ch- the chances are that either I haven't been proposed this or I don't really trust it. And so today we pray that we might grow in this trust that God's plan is better than anything else that I could, that I could do or pursue or that could be offered me. I'm always careful to kind of share personal anecdotes and uh in this podcast or just on a, on a public forum, I I would never want to pre- present myself as like having it all figured out. Um, and I would also want to be careful to just be honest about my own life and the ways that different people and God have really worked to bring about, um, yeah, who I am and, and where I'm at now. But I have no no trouble in sharing with you. This petition just strikes at one of the narratives in my own faith journey and vocation discernment of coming to really trust that God's plan is better than anything else. Long story short of my own vocation story is that I had this power and powerful encounter with the Lord whenever I was uh, a young man, 12 years old, and I had the fullness of the faith proposed to me from my mother, told me about the Catholic Church, told me about the Eucharist, the Mass, and who the priest is. And as much as that captured my 12-year-old heart at a time when I should have cared less, 
Um, I also had many other different temptations and pursuits to go after myself. And so when I came into the church as a freshman in high school, my heart was set on fire for love of the Lord in so many ways. I was all in for God. I was reading the scriptures. I was praying all the time. I was going to mass. I was um, attending different Bible studies and really seeking to, to grow, to grow, to grow. When it came down to it, when I graduated high school, I had maybe a consideration, an inkling that God was calling me to be a priest, thinking, thinking back to those first seeds that were planted in my young heart as a 12-year-old. And yet as an 18-year-old, I had this other dream of going on and pursuing my love of basketball uh, and, oppor- and other opportunities. And so I went off to, to college. I went up to Penn State Barrent, a Division three basketball, uh, Div- Division three athletic school, and was able to play basketball. I was able to pursue some academics. I was studying math at the time. I thought I could, um, yeah, really get a lot out of teaching at a high school level. I was inspired by so many incredible teachers growing up myself, grateful for, for all of them. And and then in college, too, my about my sophomore year, I fell in love with this beautiful young woman. And I thought, oh, Lord, this is what you're doing. You want me to, to be married, and you want me to have this beautiful Catholic family, all these beautiful Catholic babies. This is it. Um, I love this plan. And and meanwhile, right, here I was just creating my own life, my own plan, my own vision of what was going to make me happy. And the Lord in this beautiful way was just breaking through, trying to break through to let me know I've got something better. And so the experience that I had was these different moments of reflection, recollection, prayer, especially silent prayer. I just had murmuring in the depths of my own heart, this deep emptiness, this deep ache, this deep, like, oh, like, Lord, what are you doing? Like, what is this? This isn't it. And meanwhile, none of those things were bad from the girl to the career or to even the athletic pursuits. In a lot of ways to teach and to coach are altruists, having a family, beautiful. But I never had... And I was not giving the Lord the chance to uh, just ask if he had something for me. And so finally, I, I had this I had this moment, kind of an inspiration from a number of different people and things going on to like come before the Lord and just ask, Lord, do you have anything for me? And as if there was this eruption of applause from heaven, right? like the, the nine choirs of angels all like, yeah, like finally, <laughs> you moron, like you finally like asked, you, you finally asked. And no joke from coming to this place of asking the Lord, opening up my heart to just this consideration that he would have a plan that was better than what I was putting together, burst open this floodgate of graces and mercy and healing. Um, if I don't know if you believe in miracles, but if you don't, you should reconsider. I, like, I believe the Lord works miracles all the time, even every day, if only we had eyes to see. And so often I think back to that time in college where I just know there were miracle after miracle after miracle being poured out before me for me just to be able to see clearly what he was doing. And so, so started that real journey for me of coming to trust that his plan was better than my plan or anything else. 
um, once I entered seminary, I just had this incredible peace and joy that was incomparable to anything else that I had up, up until that point. Coming in and becoming a priest has not been easy through seminary and then even through these first several years of priesthood, not easy. I can tell you how often and having to receive different assignments, saying goodbye to these people that I've come to really love and admire and moving on and then finally getting like, oh, good. Now I've got my feet under me. Now I'm at a place where like I know the Lord wants me and I can see why God wants me here because I have this ministry, I have this outlet, I have this good thing going on and I'm just like really happy. And then to have this uh, experience of, and now the bishop needs you to move to another place. It's like, no, no, like this is where I'm supposed to be. Um, all of a sudden sparks up with, within me this deep question of, do I really trust that God's plan, and for a priest or a religious, it's beautiful, beautifully freeing to know that God's will can come through the bishop and does. That's the ordinary way that priests can have this great confidence. Where, where, where am I supposed to be? Where am I supposed to be a priest? It's like, yeah, listen to the bishop. He'll send you to where you're supposed to be. And and honestly, I can tell you from fighting with the Lord back in college, like wanting my will to be the, the better way, my plan to be the, the best, as a priest even, I can still struggle with this, to think that I'm not supposed to be here, or I'm supposed to be here longer, or right, kind of like just really fight it. And the Lord has done such a good job just to expose my own pride and my own selfishness through through all of this. So uh, I don't know where the Lord's been working in, in your own life to be able to to learn this lesson. And maybe this has been an, an easier lesson for you than than others. But yeah, for me, it's, uh, it's just been a long journey. And thank you, Lord. I'm sure I still have a long way to go. At the bottom of page 140, Sister Faustina says, God's plan for each of us is to be drawn up into his love and to witness his love to the world. Thus, it will always be better than what we can devise or create. What a beautiful but simple uh, summary, synthesis right there. That because God's plan is drawn up into his love, right? His dynamic, powerful grace, it is automatically, de facto, going to be better than anything that we can do of our greatest ingenuity, creativity, initiative, because we're we're working with natural goods and God wants to give us supernatural grace. We see this um, as a real lesson throughout all of the scriptures. Can you think of any examples of biblical figures coming to learn this this lesson? Just think about the prophets. Oh my gosh, the the prophets, the call of some of these different prophets are just classic, right, of kind of all of their excuses about why you've got the wrong person, I'm too old, I'm too young, I'm too this, I'm too that. Um, one of my favorites is Amos, uh, who is a shepherd and a dresser of sycamore trees. And he's he's called from the southern tribes to go up and to be a prophet to the north that have this very decadent, luxurious society, but meanwhile are really neglecting the poor and the humble and the, the most needy amongst them. And you get the you get the insight or the understanding that 
he, just like every other prophet who's been called, has had his own excuses or his own reluctances. You've got the wrong guy. I'm, I'm not a prophet. I'm just a shepherd. Or, yeah, I have this other career. I have this own family. I have this other, Lord, you've got the wrong person. But Amos is one that sticks out to me because he very clearly accepts it and believes, trusts in God's plan that could be better than anything else. And by accepting it, he actually has this freedom because it's clear in some of the ways that he comes with these really tough accusations against the leaders and elites of of the North that they come to mock him. Like, who are you to tell us how to live? Or where do you come from? Where do you get off telling us about if we don't do this, then we're going to be punished kind of a thing. And Amos finds this joy, this joyful freedom to say, it's God. It's God. It's not me. It's not like I went to school for this. I don't have a degree. I don't come from a family of prophets. No, I'm literally a shepherd and a dresser of sycamore trees. The only reason I'm here is because of God's love for you, which I love. I love like that. That's the witness that we need of someone who is able to trust in God and his plan. And through that, find this joy that, right, I'm not here because this was my idea. I'm here because... God wanted me to be here, and he actually wanted me to be here for you. Glorious, huh? Do you know the story of Ruth? She um, has a beautiful story, and she doesn't get enough credit, although I guess she does have her own book in the, the Bible, a smaller book. But she's this courageous woman. She's not from the tribe of Israel. She's a foreigner. She's a Moabite woman. And she leaves her home homeland with her Israelite mother-in-law and comes to live in Bethlehem as a resident alien. And she eventually will become the great-grandmother of King David. And so her whole story is really amazing. But she's noted for her extraordinary loyalty and care for her mother-in-law, Naomi, after both women are widowed. And this actually then results in her being able to marry into this line such that she can give birth to David. Uh, sorry, give uh, subsequent birth to the line of David. But there's this one decision moment, decision point for Ruth, that after her first marriage is dissolved through death, she has this invitation from Naomi. You can be free now. You can go back to your people and you can you can live with, with them as as you were. And Ruth has this inclination that God is calling her to something else, to be stretched, to be uncomfortable, and to be in this other nation and culture. And so here's what Ruth says. Entreat me not to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if even death parts me from you. Amazing, huh? Like, that's that's what I think all of us would, <laughs> would strive to have is the disposition of our hearts um to be able to say here is ruth saying that to naomi but in a a real way she's saying it to the lord lord i trust you 
and and even through the tragedies that have brought me to this place, I trust that you haven't brought me here on accident and you're not going to abandon me and you actually have something better planned that if I could just like go off, go back to what's familiar, what's comfortable, to where I have connections, but there you but by being faithful to you right here and right now, uh, you can bring about something greater, greater than I could ever achieve on my own. So a lot of examples from the scriptures. Jesus and Mary are highlighted in Sister Faustina's second part here. And uh, I guess the the part, hopefully you know the, the story of the wedding at Cana and the great miracle that the Lord works in, in all of this. And what I hear in Sister Faustina's kind of breakdown of this is that on the one hand, there's a there's a reality of this couple that are really saved from this impending embarrassment and disaster of running out of wine. Um, that that they're able to to really trust um, in even a, a hidden way of what Jesus through Mary want to do in, in their own lives. But I guess too, what I, I appreciate that she points out is that you know Jesus's whole mission is we've highlighted already through this is really one of undoing the disobedience of Adam and Eve and that all following subsequent generations, individuals will fall into not trusting in God's will and the goodness of the Father and choosing their own will. And so Jesus comes taking on our humanity and unites that human will to his to the to the will of the heavenly father right and it's this not my will but your will be done that's able to bring about salvation and notice how gloriously humble jesus is that mary and her essential role of saying yes to the heavenly father is able to even here communicate this time of jesus's beginning of his public ministry right this is the first of the signs, the miracles that really commences his, his ultimate mission and destiny. There's a, a lot to be said about just like how deep John describes what this mystery really is, right? On the one hand, it's, it's just a miracle. It's just turning water into wine. That's nothing for God who, as we've talked about before, created everything out of nothing. There wouldn't even be water there if he wasn't willing it. And so for him to change water into wine uh, is nothing for him. But there's a greater there's a greater significance. Jesus says in the this second chapter of John to his mother, my time has not come yet. Which is a really interesting thing to say. Like, like, what do you mean your 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 time? Like your time. It's not about you at all, Jesus. It's about this couple. And they're they're about to be completely embarrassed and uh, like they need you. But the idea for, for Jesus is by saying yes to this miracle and by manifesting who he is, he all of a sudden commences the, uh, what I want to say, commences the wind down, the, ah, why is this word escaping me? Um, commences the timing for his own ultimate sacrifice and death. And so this is a loaded this is a, lo- a loaded invitation 
and that Mary, trusting in her own um, call from God and the invitation from the Father, invites him to start it. That now's the time. Beautiful. This is the God of the universe listening to Mary to do this miracle, to, to commence his uh, ministry and ultimately his passion and death. Do whatever he tells you. This is the last thing that, that Mary will, will say in the scriptures. And what a great thing, beautiful, that we might really take that to heart of who Mary is to each and every one of us, that she might, as we, uh, unworthy servants, right? She says this to the waiters, do whatever he tells you. And that we might really see from Mary an invitation to this petition, to trust that his plan is better than anything else. Against any hesitation, against any fear, against any like, this sounds really crazy. You're wanting me to put water where? How much? Uh, this is too crazy. Like, do whatever he tells you. And the very end of this chapter, the last invitation, I found really beautiful and thought-provoking. Sister Faustina asks, do I trust that God's plan is truly the best and can be accessed right where I'm at? Ask for the grace of the waiters at the wedding feast of Cana to not only fill the jugs at his word, but to fill them up to the brim. What does that mean for you? What does that mean for you, right? To not just, yeah, Lord, I, I trust that your plan is better than me. But it's in those moments to trust him generously, generously to really abandon and open yourself up to allowing him to have as much room to work the greatest of miracles of turning the water into wine, right? The natural source that we provide for the Lord, that he can transform that into this supernatural charity uh, to transform us and those people around us. So, uh, Let's pray. Let's pray for more trust and two for this generous, generous trust in his plan that's better than anything else. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. The litany of trust from the belief that I have to earn your love, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear that I am unlovable, deliver me, Jesus. From the false security that I have what it takes, Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear that trusting you will leave me more destitute, deliver me, Jesus. From all suspicion of your words and promises, deliver me, Jesus. From the rebellion against childlike dependency on you, deliver me, Jesus. From refusals and reluctances in accepting your will, deliver me, Jesus. From anxiety about the future, deliver me, Jesus. From resentment or excessive preoccupation with the past, Deliver me, Jesus. From restless self-seeking in the present moment, deliver me, Jesus. From disbelief in your love and presence, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being asked to give more than I have, deliver me, Jesus. From the belief that my life has no meaning or worth, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of what love demands, deliver me, Jesus. From discouragement, deliver me, Jesus that you are continually holding me, sustaining me, loving me. Jesus, I trust in you. That your love goes deeper than my sins and failings and transforms me. Jesus, I trust in you. 
that not knowing what tomorrow brings is an invitation to lean on you. Jesus, I trust in you. That you are with me in my suffering. Jesus, I trust in you. That my suffering united to your own will bear fruit in this life and the next. Jesus, I trust in you. That you will not leave me orphan. That you are present in your church. Jesus, I trust in you. That your plan is better than anything else. Jesus, I trust in you. That you always hear me and in your goodness always respond to me. Jesus, I trust in you. That you give me the grace to accept forgiveness and to forgive others. Jesus, I trust in you. That you give me the strength, all the strength I need for what is asked. Jesus, I trust in you. That my life is a gift. Jesus, I trust in you. That you will teach me to trust you. Jesus, I trust in you. That you are my Lord and my God. Jesus, I trust in you. That I am your beloved one. Jesus, I trust in you. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this episode. To learn more about Dry Bones Ministries, events, and initiatives, and to support this podcast, go to drybonespgh.org. Thanks, and God bless you.